when it was easy to ride, singing way, hey, ho. But the years haven't withered my joy and my pride, singing way, hey, ho. I've never been much for the pistol or blade, singing way, hey, ho. For the sun is my course and the sky is my trade, singing way, hey, ho. My mother, she told me that life would be fine If you're free with the water, but savor the wine And to never be hurried, but always on time Singing way, hey, ho Singing way, hey, ho Alright heroes, welcome to some bonus content. I am James D'Amato. Uh, I am the host of the Campaign Skyjacks podcast, uh, amongst other things. Um, I am here with Drew Merzieski. Drew, do you want to introduce yourself? Of course. Hi everybody, I'm Drew. I'm the host and narrator of Skyjacks, Courier's Call. Mm. And of course, we are also joined by Aaron Catano Saez. Aaron. Hello. I play Cecilia Whitwick on Skyjack's Courier's Call. And I'll also point out that uh, uh, both Drew and Aaron have other podcasts uh, that, why not? Let's plug in the bonus content. We're here to support Courier's Call. Everybody knows about Courier's Call. It's true. Let's, let's. Let's plug Knight of Threads and Patches. Let's, let's plug all my fantasy children. Uh, Hit hit us with some plugs, Drew. For, for. Uh, yeah, sure, everybody. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Worlds to Forge. Uh, and my other shows out in the world right now are A Night of Shreds and Patches. Shreds can, and Patches. Ooh, you can find me. that at uh, acosap.com. That's A K O S A P.com. And uh, you can also find me and my wife, Allie, at our Patreon, which is Patreon um, Whimsy Artifice. Joe. All right. And Aaron, what, what about you? Where, where can the people find you? And My uh, my Twitter handle is at Aaron Catano Saez, all one word. And my other show is All My Fantasy Children. It's a tabletop-inspired character creation, world-building, and storytelling podcast powered by listener-submitted prompts. And you can find that at, at AMFC underscore podcast on Twitter. Radical. All right. <laughs> With that, we are ready to, to dive in. Friends, we are here today because Aaron uh, and Drew were talking about CC, uh, season two CC, an older, more mature, more powerful version of CC. And we're talking about the possibility of getting into magic. Yeah. Uh, And there are a couple of things that we were going to discuss in that. I I, I want uh, you you two to just uh, bring everyone up to speed. What what are we going to be talking about? What are we going to be exploring today? In the very beginning, uh, when we started planning for season two, uh, Aaron and I sat down and we wanted to talk about like, hey, where do we see CC going? What do we want CC to do? Like, what new things can we bring to CC? And Aaron, uh, you were super excited to do like, magic stuff yes 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 and yes yes a hundred times yes and and so we started to talk about uh the magic that cc can kind of kind of tap into cc's already got her magic candle uh Mm -hmm. and she's got her magic map to map world and uh a a lineage of explorers kind of going on there i feel like we wanted to do something more we wanted to kind of push cc kind of deeper into 
uh, magic as a whole. Mm-hmm. And one of those things is that uh, in season one, uh, Star Watcher Winchwind kind of takes a, a liking to Cece and brings Cece on as as like apprentice Star Watcher for a little bit. I mean, everyone takes a rotation, I think, on the boat as Star Watcher, but uh, that was something that we kind of discussed. And from that, there were lots of questions on like, how does one deal with how does one learn about the lumens how does star watching work that way what how does one build their deck of lumens uh and i'm i'm super excited to figure all that out yes let's 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 throw down the the basic information uh for everyone because there are two factors at play here uh there are what we kind of touched on at the end the luminaries uh the decks of the luminaries they are Forces in the world, some of them are like personified supernatural beings like the Forest Queen. Some of them are, you know, like impulses or patterns of behavior like the Butcher. Some of them are stories that repeat themselves and insist themselves upon the world like the river or or gosh, what what apart from the river? I guess the, the and, and some are like concepts that are at the core of the world like the union but even if these things look and feel very different from one another they're all luminaries they are all these things that are a big part of the world and one of the ways that people interpret and understand them is through uh luminary cards luminary decks they resemble tarot decks they can be used for fortune telling they can also be used to play a game of illimat And the figures from these decks and whatnot, these concepts are kind of familiar everywhere around Sphere. Like even if you pulled up to a port that had never been visited by a skyship or any other ship, if you pulled out a luminary deck, um, even if they wouldn't recognize it in card form, they would recognize some of those concepts and go, oh, yeah, we, we have words for that. We have names for that here. And you could even use that to like communicate with other people. So you've got the luminaries uh, being sort of real forces that you can reach out to and interact with and luminary cards, which you can tell fortunes with and use to interpret and understand your world. The other side of this is what we mentioned uh, right up top, which is star watching. Star watching is kind of a navigational and uh, meteorological like uh, folk practice that is a big part of sky shipping. Basically, the 200 years ago in Sphere, stars fell from the sky, rained down on Earth. And what's left in the sky is really just a few stars, like probably a dozen or so. And they don't stay in one place. They move around a lot. The only star that stays in a fixed location uh, that can really be relied on for orientation is the morning star, which is also the brightest star in the sky. Um, Everything else, these stars move and sailors, star watchers specifically, chart where these stars move to, use the position of those stars to help themselves orient themselves on sphere. So it's incredibly useful for navigation, but these stars also have an intimate connection to the world of sphere. And a really talented star watcher can use the position of those stars to determine things like what the weather is going to be, what seasons it's going to shift to in the near future. 
even like uh, a super, super talented star watcher might be able to tell how much of your crops are going to be able to yield in a given year just through uh, the act of star watching. Star watching has a lot of different traditions to it. There are like three kind of very popular manuals or even kind of like philosophical documents on star watching uh, that people use to like learn the trade, uh, at least in like shipping areas. Imagine it as a combination of like real astral navigation that sailors would use and like almost like I Ching divination, a, a bit of farmer's almanac stuff in there. So you can use star watching to really understand your world and your position in the world. And, you know, like for somebody who wants to sail skyships, who wants to be a captain or a navigator, or even a helms person, it's super useful to be able to learn those things. And uh, like there's kind of a mystical thing to it because like the position of the stars tell you information about your world. Um, so those are the, the bare bones basics. We can uh, sort of dig in in different places as we're interested, but th that, that should give you the background you need. Yeah. Dope. I like it. So Aaron, do you got any questions? You're just burning to ask? <clears throat> I do because I have a lot of ideas and I don't know. I know what I want to do in terms of magic because like, I personally try to set up uh, a character who is peaking an interest in magic and is seeing that there are people that are way beyond the very anime concept of power checking when like, you know, a Goku meets someone stronger than him. He wants to know how it happened or in Hunter mm -hmm. Hunter when Gon meets people who use Nen. It's like, how the heck? How can I get there? And I feel like CC is constantly surrounded by p people who could potentially be or are way stronger than her at forces that she barely understands. Like, she popped off on the Forest Queen because she had no idea what the heck she was doing and, like, didn't understand the inherent risk. And I kind of want her to develop into someone who would look back and, like, facepalm, like, oh, my God, I almost got turned into, like, you know, a penguin for the rest of my life and been, like, punished to, a, like, a, a life of damnation because I, I didn't understand the forces that are at play in the universe. Mm -hmm. So I kind of want her to become more understanding of the world through the forces that dictate a lot of stuff in this world. Be be basically a wizard. That is the mm -hmm. definition of a wizard. <laughs> and like that, that concept of wielding a supernatural force to not to choose not to do that is like, for me, wild. The idea of there is a supernatural force that can change is like this paracausal thing that can make the unreal real. Why not learn to have an understanding of it and use it to your advantage in this like, world where survival is not guaranteed mm -hmm. you know so that's my idea and like how that manifests i have ideas but i don't know how they'd work because you know i just i don't i you know it, it's hard because you know i don't want it to be something that i i don't like in tabletop games when someone has a big idea and it clashes with the overall narrative and world so i'm trying to do this very well, well, so here's here's the thing. Uh, you're a player in this game. We want the world to support you and yeah. the experience that you want to have. So, yeah. like, there are lots of cool ways that we could we could do this. So, okay. uh, let's let's not let's not 
try to rein our well, let's put our ideas out there yes. and rein them in if yes. necessary. That that is what I'm hoping to do is like so my my first idea if I can just pitch it is so mm-hmm. CC has this weird thing about like imagination. Oh, it's everything's grandiose and large and it's very like a ha ha naive child. But I thought about a world where you can where magic is real. There's no reason why she could not cr- turn Excalibur a fishing rod into something that could like cut through stone empowering things and people to make to provide magic it's basically in what we'd call enchantment in like uh, world of warcraft or something like adding magical effects to ordinary things or granting someone a, a supernatural effect basically like what a bard does but can do it with ina- inanimate objects that was an idea Ooh. and also the the idea of wanting to the idea that drawing a luminary card can kind of predict the future the mysticism involved in that and like the the feeling of if tarot were 100 percent accurate where it's mm-hmm. like you did this i also like to play with this idea that cc doesn't care much for luminaries who kind of like dictate you know fighting god that old trope and kind of wanting to figure out how to make her own or or use them to her advantage not wield the luminaries because that's like wild and you know that's too big i think but the idea of the using the effects of drawing luminaries is it kind of like sphere Yu-Gi-Oh? yeah <laughs> yeah okay so there's a lot of cool stuff go- going on here like the the first thing with uh like enchanting objects and and stuff like that um yeah. There are uh, magic in Sphere and Skyjacks in general is pretty freeform in mm. that, you know, pretty much whatever you want magic to be able to do, it probably can. But I've broken it down into different sources of power that you can draw on. And w- the big ones that like this kind of feels to me, story is is a core root of it yeah. if there is a story about an object uh if you create a story about an object mm. there is a kind of magic in that um if you perform a ritual to enchant a knife you are telling the story of that knife being a special knife and therefore it has power a lot of people i, I think in our audience have kind of mistakenly uh gone jumped to the conclusion that belief is the thing that that makes this magical like you could enchant a knife and uh have that knife like you know you've performed the ritual on the knife uh and the person who did that could die so there's nobody left in the world to believe in that knife but that knife would still have power because that story was told about that knife at one point now if it is a popular story about a knife it's like a well-known thing in this town that there is a knife that can cut through stone then that knife is probably going to be able to cut through stone. It is going to be more powerful. So don't think of it in terms of who's believing in the story. Uh, Think of it more in terms of what the story is and how powerful is that story. Um, From there, I I think CC can do a lot of those things and kind of dovetailing with story uh, is tradition. 
in that this is story that is held over time or reinforced over time. If somebody, you know, performs the ritual on this knife every year at a certain time of year, like there is just like a festival of our cool knife that cuts through rocks, then that knife is even, you know, stronger and more potent or whatever. Um, so like creating rituals, creating traditions surrounding stories also play in on that magic. So there's that. Uh, but stepping into the luminaries, this is cool because this gives us a chance to figure out how someone starts learning how to interpret luminaries and like getting their own luminary deck. Yes. And my pitch, my basic pitch right off the bat is that this should start with arts and crafts. I think in order to like start learning how to interpret luminaries and getting your own deck of luminaries. Like we have a tradition in the real world that a tarot deck only really works if it's gifted to you. I think a luminary deck uh, works if you, it starts working if you make it. So I think CC needs to design the card back for her luminary deck. That's that's kind of what I, I, I think the first step is. I agree. And I think you probably get starter luminaries, like the person who's like kind of teaching you or mentoring you gives a luminary. You you pick a luminary and uh, maybe maybe we like go, there's a luminary from your hometown or whatever. Like I feel like those three things go into the deck. And then as you go and travel around the world, you can collect new luminaries. If, if somebody gives you a luminary, you can shuffle it into your deck. And like when you're done shuffling, you'll look at your card backs and that luminary will be in there. Mm. Like I, okay. that, that, that is the idea that I had because it allows uh, CC to like go on a collecting quest, put a personal touch on this luminary <clears throat> and learn things about different people around the world as, as she's like, collecting these luminaries yeah i was gonna say it's very trading card um which is it a stretch to call that level of repetition and that uh that passion is there magic in that in terms of ritual in terms of sitting down and having a very set way of creating the back of a luminary a very methodical thing Yes, I, I definitely think so. I, I think, like, first of all, the idea of teaching someone how to use luminaries, of helping them make their deck of luminaries, yeah. like, that's a tradition, and people yeah. are doing that all over Sphere, so it means that when Cece does it, even if she doesn't know anything about magic, even if she doesn't know anything about luminaries, there's still power in it, because all of these people around her are sharing in this same thing that she's being welcomed into. So something dope that I just thought of is uh, when I was a kid, when you would do travel soccer, you exchange patches with another team. Mm -hmm. So also in the idea that if CZ travels and trades her luminaries with someone else's, her story then gets spread out and her tradition gets expanded to other places and therefore yeah. would technically like spread it and increase its awareness and perhaps its effectiveness. I give that air quotes. You know what I mean? The idea of like, CC's mark her brand of doing stuff of arts and crafts or you know how she interprets luminaries would be therefore spreading she'd be planting them seeds all yeah. over the world if she it, you know. would it be the trading of like a lumen for a lumen like butcher for butcher or would it be like like CC has made a butcher card yeah it, it's not really imbued with anything yet but it is in her deck 
and then to go and to pass that card on to another another Lumen Lore person, and then that is that what we're yes or no? Or I, I think, think part I think part of that because like there are definitely people like Travis Matico uh, over on Skyjack's Prime has a Luminary deck and he's been alive for two hundred years, mm-hmm. so it's not like he's getting new Luminaries. Uh, mm-hmm. But I definitely think what could happen is that people who do practice like reading the luminaries might be able to tell each other stories Mm. about the luminaries. And when you get the story of a luminary, like you can use it or interpret it in a specific way. Like, um, you know, to a lot of people, uh, Rusalka is like kind of a bummer of a card. It's like a really dangerous card because Rusalka is this force that lives in rivers and like tempts people in and drowns them. But like in specific, like uh, the river lilies, uh, Margaret's like black lily uh, chapter, uh, as it were, they uh, have a much closer relationship to rivers and Rusalka in general. So they might be able to tell you a story about like, well, it's about, uh, you know, justice for for misdeeds or something like that. Mm. And then you go, oh, I've learned this thing. Maybe the art on the Rusalka luminary that you have changes in some way, like, you know, a, a greater awareness and understanding of the world, I think, should influence kind of your deck because it expands your ability to understand it. And I think a big part of that might just be an adult uh, you know, going down to this excitable child who's like just building out their deck going, yeah, here's the butcher. You're probably going to need to know about this because the world could be really dangerous sometimes. And if you can't interpret that danger from your luminary deck, you could be in trouble. So a luminary deck, because tarot, uh, not all of them are the same images on them. Is mm-hmm. that same with lumens or luminary yes. cards? So I think so. Because that's something really interesting to me because I've had tarot readings done and someone's like, if you see the, the, the bearer of the king of wands is walking off into the distance and that means that you're following a set path. Is there something there as well with like, you know, if CC were to literally draw these fucking things to her interpretation of the lumens, would that therefore mean different shit? Where like my experience with the forest queen was real bad. Yeah. So like my version of her would be this like, wicked twisted you know capturing like spider creature and then that might you know create an interpretation blah 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 you know what i mean like this kind of evolution of like a child's understanding of something established in the world is vastly different based on my understanding of it like if cc hears about the river it might be like i don't know otters like you know i had a great time in otterbox so it's not like this calamitous (laughs) kind of like ruin i i like that a lot because I, I think what we're learning about luminary interpretations, you know, like in sphere, they are more real than mm-hmm. tarot in our world. But yeah. like, if you don't have the luminary in your deck or the right experience with the luminary in your deck, you not might not be able to see what's going on for what it is. Yes. You know, like if I don't have the butcher in my deck and the butcher is at play, I might draw a luminary that is like, referring to all the things around me that are not the butcher but now i don't have that important warning so danger is ahead without me and i also think learning about different aspects and interpretations of cards could play into that and a thing that you might get out of that or a way that we could indicate that like magically and sort of in the system is 
you know, if CC meets someone who is a little bit warmer uh, and, and more connected to the Forest Queen, like the Bandari people or Marvale's people had a deal with the Forest Queen and it kind of worked out really well for them. So they might have a rosier picture. And mm-hmm. if Luminary meets a Bandari, uh, like Luminary reader and gets that Forest Queen from them, like there's a chance that she could draw her dark twisted Forest Queen or this kind of like a warmer Forest Queen. That is what like is appealing to me is because it plays nicely into the, you know, children experiencing a, you know, a very dangerous world and learning and growing from the people who live in it. Like they get the rare opportunity to travel, you know, these kids and experience the world. So that's a fun thing. Um, I'm wondering if so say CC is all about imbuing it with magic, right? Mm -hmm. Is there something to that being in her if all of her faith and energy and her you know her her practice and her passion and her tradition is in a deck is there something there you know I, does I that have so. legs like i'm picturing a very Yu-Gi-Oh-esque scene of like cc pulling out her luminary deck and being like i'm going to imbue this card with the power of the union kind and of, like yeah. <laughs> Because that is a ritual, that is a spell. When when Cece says that she is doing that and she knows that her luminary deck has power, she knows that she has power, um, and she knows that she can connect power to an object or something, like yeah. that in and of itself is a spell. How those spells work, you know, kind of depends on Cece's technique and how she's rolling and whatnot, and how you and Drew are going to interpret those different things happening as Cece goes on her journey. Like she might learn that, hey, this is a really dangerous thing because it's it like allows the thing. forest queen to touch my stuff. Yes. <laughs> like, because I'd like to think of. Her whole bit is pushing it to the wheels fall off and is basically, for me, gambling. So I love, like I told Drew, I love the probability aspect of like the wheel of the lumens. Like when you spin, you spin the, you literally spin a wheel to see what happens when you go, I'll pull a lumen. It is literally banking on hope something good. And I kept thinking about like how it's literally pulling a top card off and hoping something happens. And I was like, what if? It is, you know, is there something in the card itself is magical and it's that meets the literal manifestation of, you know, imbuing, uh, evoking a lumen's power. Do those meet in in the middle and become something new-ish? Does it change it? These are the kinds of questions that I'm thinking about where I know it's like there's a level of unpredictability with what's going to happen when you pull a lumen based Mm -hmm. on lots of things. But I was like, what if, something what if literal a person's magic is crossed in there what happens you know what is the effect if you know i believe that this card is literally magical not the lumen itself and also the lumen itself is magical even if i don't want it to be what happens you know so there there is a lot that goes into magic and sphere it's kind of like a big indiscernible pile uh there's a zine that's in process right now that's explaining the magic of sphere a a little bit more specifically because people have wondered about it but essentially the thing that i i really want to communicate through it is there isn't exactly a right or clear answer there are a lot of different forces that might touch a spell that cc casts you know uh like 
we, we learned about sacrifice a little bit in uh, season one of Courier's Call. Like if Cece incorporates a sacrifice into one of the spells she casts, like that also affects it. Um, the more uh, like thoroughly uh, plotted out the story of your spells are, like the stronger it will be and uh, the more in your control it is. If you just pull, uh, you know, a luminary, that is a force that has way more power than you, um, you know, and you're just being like, hey, go wild, uh, which means that a lot of things can happen that maybe you don't actually intend because the luminary is like the being with the most intent at the table. But if Cece puts together a ritual that involves a luminary, that involves a sacrifice, that involves a story that she is telling, that is part of a tradition she has been taught, that uh, involves like her friends, so love and labor are tied up into it. If she's offering like, uh, you know, animal parts or like a lock of hair or, you know, all these other things like uh, there are different aspects that she can tie to a spell to make the spell more concrete, more potent and more within her control. Cool. So like the more I stack, basically, the more of the forms of magic or, or sources of magic that are applied, the more in control and potent it is. Yeah, exactly. In a, and in a very rough way of saying in a, it. <laughs> in, a, in a super rough way of saying. And like, yes. you know, you might not always know what's going on when you cast a spell. There are yeah. thing, forces that you can't see. You know, if you cast it in a particular location, if you cast a spell in Thornvale to grow some food, it's probably going to work better because mm. Thornvale has like this really bountiful region that is always producing like great things. If you cast that in a desert, like the fact that you're in the desert might have an effect on that. Okay. Okay. Cool. That. Okay. Because we, we talked about like, we we were plotting out like what I, what CC can do now that we're in the new system. And the the can I talk, I can talk about this right? Yeah, yeah, sure, go for oh, it. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know if it was like, um, and the the phrase like that we use is magic makes it so, like is kind of CC's like what I would uh, what are the assets? Uh, the distinctions. Yeah. Distinctions. The distinction is magic makes it so, where it's like CC's belief in herself and this magic can make some. I'm assuming small things happen, but if she learned about things like the 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 discipline or the practice involved with story, sacrifice, tradition, like all these cool things, I assume that they would be more under her control and more akin to like what, you know, tabletop magic is. Yeah. Okay. I, I think the amount of CeCe's like personal energy and, yeah. and, you know, will that she's putting into the different things she does, like if she's trying to get at magic, she's probably going to find it at, at some way. The The thing that will affect it and hope Cece will be honing, I, I think, as a practitioner of magic is really how she's manipulating those forces. Because if Cece says, you know, I will see the right path through these woods because I'm Cece, I'm awesome, we're a squad, let's roll out. Like, that's good. That's that that like that will do something. Yeah. But if Cece goes, I will see a way through these woods because I am the granddaughter of the greatest explorer who ever lived. Mm. It's a part of me. It's who I am and it's who I want to be. All of a sudden, like it's a much more focused story. And cool. the magic of sphere has her back harder. See, focus is a great word because it's it's like a there's a refinement to the practice of magic that is very sexy and appealing to me. 
where it's like it can just be like you know the cliche of like you nick your thumb with a knife you know like sacrifice magic go but it's so much like the that's that would for me would be like a dull unrefined way of doing it rather than like maybe you know this locket meant so much to me it was given to me by my late father smashing it or burning it and then doing something would create an even larger controllable effect yeah yeah exactly exactly and that's what's cool about this being cc's story is there is a fastidiousness a discipline to it Mm -hmm. cc has like all of this energy which is rad and going to work for her but only carry her so far yes where it's like it's i i'd like it to become something where like you grow up you're a rambunctious And like, you know, you you think that you don't have to listen to your authority figures, but they actually know more than you than than you do. And it's okay to listen to them. So that's kind of where I want to lead with this like discipline thing happening where like she learns that structure isn't the worst thing. And that if you want to cast cool magic, like the reason Ruby can control magic is because she learned how to or like she knows the tradition involved in it. She's not just winging it. She's not like, you know. Banking yeah. on the forest queen, letting her friends go by yelling at her. <laughs> like, you know, that kind of thing is what is very appealing to me. So her kind of calming down and understanding that, like, the source of magic was essentially friendship, but also these other things. And also, but yeah. also refining those things into a laser beam is what makes Cece do the thing she wants to do, you know. Cool. That is that is f-ing rad. I, I, I want to pull Drew in now. Yeah, yes. Drew... You are responsible for, you know, running some NPCs who are going to be trying to teach CC these mm-hmm. things. I am curious because, like, I think by the time season two starts, she's got a little bit of training, right? Yeah. If it's anybody, it's going to be Winchwind. Yes. Um, Star Watcher Winchwind is... Uh, we didn't see a whole lot of them in season one, uh, mostly because there was no there's no reason to at that point. Uh, but, uh, we see a little bit of them in, in the Jolly Jack, uh, episodes, uh, where they come with Captain Dennison to pick up the kids and they do this really cool, like, see if Jack is lying by drawing Mm. luminaries every time to see like what luminary to just pick up the ambient bullshittery of Jack <laughs> and see how the lumens deal with that in that moment. And I had that moment kind of coming up with that as we were doing it. And I was like, that's very, very cool. Uh, you know, I guess, I guess star watch lumen people who like know lumen lore can do. Um, they can get very simple. Yes or no's of what's going on in stuff. Um, but if it's anybody who's going to be teaching CC, it's going to be Winchwind. Um, who's sitting down with Cece and like teaching her about the lumens and about the deck and, you know, having craft hour with, with Star Watcher Winchwind <laughs> where they sit down and they're like, yeah, uh, don't use circles with this particular lumen. Like it has to be angles. It has to be angles of 45 to 90. It can't be, it can't be circles uh, as you draw stuff like little, like the little details in that, like, Having it be that focused mm. in like saying, we're going to draw, we're going to draw the bounty today and we're going to learn all the particular shapes and symbols that go with the bounty. These are the ones you can use for this card when you are making, when you're drawing this card. And I'm sure that there are like, I would say 
that there's like a handful of symbols and and various things that like each lumen has a connection with maybe possibly mm. i don't know i i i was doing recently i was creating the uh the insignias for for the Swiftwell courier service i was going through and like figuring out and i spent two hours going through like the language of flowers and like what they mean that's dumb. and like how this goes and like i found a, a i found a a flower that's called a speedwell and Ooh. and i was like Google that's that. that's a the flower well you said a, a speedwell so i'm like yeah I'm that's saying. that is the um Ooh. that's the flower for the courier service um they're really pretty they're very pretty they are conical they are indigo or purple they are sexy yeah i was like this it's gonna be this and and but also i was like and that means this and then this flower means this flower and if you mix the two together they mean this and i thought about it and i was like oh i i know that like in alchemy certain shapes mean certain things and I can imagine that people who make their own luminaries are like in the margins of it. They're like, we're going to put these symbols because I know this this luminary likes these symbols. Yeah. It, 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 and, and like that is a very personal thing. Like you're trying to inject who you are into your own luminary deck because like it, I, I think it will make it easier to interpret certain things. And like you're also trying to inject that into the the back of your deck, like the the ba- the card backs of your deck are the most personal thing, mm. like to you because that is that represents everything. And like I, I think there is kind of a magic where as you grow and change, you can change the the back of your deck and like reshuffle your deck, and it will all have like that change there lined up for you and Ugh. cool stuff like that. Oh man, I love this. I love that that imagery of people of. Lumen people who are like really into the Lumen decks who are like, yeah, you shuffle it this way. You see this shuffle, this really cool shuffle oh, here. Oh, true. And now like this shuffle will do this thing and this shuffle will do this thing and mm-hmm. this shuffle will do this. And as you can see now, all the backs of my cards are different. And it's like it's like sleight of hand magic, but it's real. <laughs> you know, yeah. And it makes me think of people have a certain superstition with how things are shuffled because they've been doing it a certain way their entire time with lumens like no 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 because what my understanding is if i'm being mentored am i then taking star watcher winch wins like that that's how they interpret this stuff or is it just there's one way you know or am i going to be a disciple of star watcher winch win no I, it, 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 the, I, I, well oh no 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 one of the things with uh sphere that that i want to uh like really emphasizes because we're we're trying to be anti-colonialist about this is that, that there aren't uh concrete answers for things cool that winchwind will teach you like what they know but the more cc goes off and learns new things like the more her deck becomes her deck and Sick. her understanding and learning from other people will round that understanding out and help but like, you know, Winchwind's style is going to be best for Winchwind, but you also need to start somewhere. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. That is very exciting. This is the Master Roshi moment where like, you know, I'm going to have a lot of experiences, but I'm going to learn my, my, you know, I learned my alphabet here. That's mm-hmm. what's exciting to me. This is dope. Um, be, but my point was because um, you would learn, like you said, there's people who are like, they're, they're, they're Lumen nerds basically, or people who, like, live by this, study this, they would have their own traditions associated with, like, 
the delicacy of drawing one, a certain technique for literally flipping a card, little idiosyncrasies like that, like people who are passionate about cards and sleight of hand have very, very specific ways of doing things. And just tiny details like that are very appealing to me of learning how people draw them, where people keep them, the carrying mm-hmm. cases, the the designs on the back. Some people think it means something. Some people might be like, no, it's like, you know, customize it to your own. And some people would think that, you know, there's a, a, a dampening effect to correct art, perhaps. You know, it, it's just, it is very, I'm very excited because I like the idea of this magic so linked with cards because there's something so deeply personal about everybody like i have a favorite deck of playing cards and these things like you know like you said travis has a 200 year old deck you know potentially that is intimate and that is what is very appealing to me about this whole thing is everybody has their own binder full of pokemon cards Mm -hmm. you know that are deeply meaningful to them that can call upon supernatural forces like what a concept it's amazing I'm just excited. I'm very I, excited. <laughs> I, I, I love it. I love nothing. I love more than our world building being described as a binder full of deeply meaningful <laughs> Pokemon cards. Because what binder of Pokemon cards isn't deeply meaningful? Truly, They're all your your best you, friends. You know, it's, it's, you yeah, know there's a guy out there who's like into Luminlore who has his binder full of like. Have you seen all my limited edition Forest Queens? Could you mm-hmm. like? Could you imagine being in this world though, where like the the the? Because I I think about if I were to hold this, the weight of these things in my hand. Is that's literally heavy. There's like a weight to it and a, a personal weight of responsibility of like, if I with these, you know, they could create, they could change my world. They could disrupt my order. That is something that's like to learn how to be better about that is a fascinating thing to me. And it's like, it's such a deeply personal thing for Cece to say, like, I want this terrifying force. I want to know more about it and why it's been. You know, why we may have had some bad luck, I want to know more about it. And why we might have had good luck, I want to know more about the forces that are granting me these things. It's such a, it's a weighty kind of lore study, I think, in Sphere, that is very sexy to me. The idea of, it's not fortune telling to me, it's like respect for this, you know, otherworldly force. That is, it it reminds me of like people who are actually meteorologists. They're like, because I can save lives. If I tell if a people I know when a hurricane is coming or when yeah. things are coming, you can help people. You know, it, it's it's very it's very sexy. This is all very good. Uh, well, that brings that brings us back, I think, to star watching in yeah. CC. Star watching like this luminary stuff I see is very up CC's alley. Like yeah. star watching is a thing that I would love to see CC learn because it is very counter to her mm-hmm. personality right now. Um, in that the way it works, you chart the positions of different stars. You you make a note of that and other conditions of like where you are in the world, what the weather is like, what the time is, all these different things. And you run those through algorithms. You essentially make mathematical calculations with them and they produce a result uh, that you can use to like guide your interpretation of what forces in the world are at play and whatnot. Um, So CC would have to learn like how to chart the position of a star with a sextant and note that down and then take a temperature, 
use a pocket watch, get the more information that you gather in your star watching, the more nuanced your results can be. That can be the difference between telling like, oh, I'm within a couple miles of this area to I am exactly here or oh, it looks like we might be shifting to winter soon to there is going to be a storm wind that blows in on Tuesday and we really need to watch out for that. Based on CeCe's reaction to like getting, learning all this job like in season one, I think this might be a very frustrating thing for her to have to deal with at first. And what what is cool about this, like the two things that we're talking about, this like very discipline, this like magic stuff, is I don't, I don't know what I want CeCe to be yet. Because part of me goes like, what if she leans into magic and wizardry and controlling the forces and blah, blah, blah. But the other one that's very appealing to me is her becoming a leader and a captain and someone who learns the disciplines of star watching and focuses more on like things that are within her own control instead of gods and magic and things like these forces. Instead of being like, no, we can do like I can, can use math and my own brain to keep people safe and to get us from point A to point B. That idea of real life applications of like, you know, science is magic, but it's also like math and computation and understanding. That is also appealing to me for what path I want her to go down is like becoming a star watcher, becoming a captain is by learning how to pilot a ship, not using magic, learning math, learning the weather, learning star watching. Like that's also appealing to me too, but I cannot choose. <laughs> and i don't know because i'm like oh it'd be so sexy if she's like this now because she has a magic map she likes yeah. like you know this navig th that to me is also very appealing that was my initial thought with this character is like you know the great like she would go down as the greatest sky ship captain that has ever walked the face of sphere and she did it using her own two hands not magic and nonsense i mean you know? that that like th that is cool <laughs> and one of the things like cc is 14 15 i don't think <laughs> I don't think she has to know. And no. like, I kind of think Winchwind gets that, which is probably why Winchwind is also putting, you know, star watching in front of Cece. It's yeah. like, hey, I I know you don't love doing this, learning this. Uh, and I know that I probably don't even love teaching you because you're probably complaining a lot. <laughs> but there is a chance that you'll get something out of this. So we're doing it anyway. Yeah. That yeah, it's. It, yeah. Yeah, I mean it's it's a it's a Mr. Miyagi thing. It's putting the hard work in front of you to like yeah. build that muscle, yeah, and that focus so you can use it later. I mean, it's super interesting. It is, and it's 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 it's. I feel like it's like you you not you must choose because I do want like for for the behind the scenes content. I do want there to be difficult choices where CC does not know what she wants to be honestly, mm. or like who she wants to be. She just knows that she wants to stay with the team and develop things that she likes doing and learn like how to be the person she wants to be. And whether it's magic or, you know, navigation or being a captain or, you know, something completely different. That is something that I want to lean into is this idea of like, you don't have to know at 15 years old what you want to do, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, and I'm it's okay super, to dabble. Yeah. I'm super interested for CC to meet Mulden, uh, Foxkull, Captain mm. Captain Foxkull, because Captain Foxkull was a Star Watcher and became a captain. Okay. Uh, I'm super interested. I mean, also he's just weird. So uh, <laughs> it's it's super. It's gonna be super interesting to see. I'm curious 
uh, Aaron. Yeah. What cards do you think CC has at this point? Oh, God. I don't like, know if she has any. Like, um, is it something that, like, literally everyone has these things? Because, like, we're pod kids. Like, I'm trying to really lean into that they're, like, sort of privileged little pod children who are like, what's violence? You know? <laughs> like, yeah. I, I, I do. I, I think there are plenty of people who don't f with luminaries at all. Who like yeah, don't oh, yeah. carry a deck, like maybe they'll see a luminary sayer or something like that. But like there are definitely people who are like, that's eh, not that's not for me. I don't care. Like I think she thinks they're cool and is like, you know, it's magical and so of course she's obsessed and things like that. But I don't know if she has them. And if she did, I feel like her I, I always thought of her having some kind of vendetta against water stuff just because, like, it sucks. Like, you know, that sucks that you can't. <laughs> there's a part of the world that's, like, forbidden and dangerous. Mm. But, I mean, like, if she did, that would be her obsession is, like, anything involving water mariner stuff. Mm. Because it's just like this, you know, this uh, wound on the world that limits everyone from doing what they want to do kind of. And that would piss off like a little bratty child who is like, what do you mean? I can't go in the water. What? I got to fly across it. That's bullshit. That's my first thought. But also it's like, I don't know if she'd have them. like, do people in a uh, uh, Thornvale like, like I know I'm sure they do, but like do a lot of people have these things and do that kind of stuff. It seems I mean, like such a nice place. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a good question. I mean the game Illumat is everywhere. So yes. everyone has at least knowledge of the luminaries as it comes to Illumat. Uh when it comes I mean there are some very potent uh luminaries that deal with Thornvale specifically. Yes. Um and so I think the that particular one is like the imagery of that of like the bounty which is yeah. the one for Thornvale is everywhere in Thornvale. Okay. Um but would I know I, that though? Like, does do that, the kids know that kind of stuff? That that's the thing. I mean, that has. I think that has to come out in you asking questions cool. uh, of Winchwind and stuff like. that. I mean, we could literally sit down and do a scene where you know we have a, a moment with you and Winchwind. Because um, what like what you're saying is very interesting to me because it's the kids don't have an understanding of the world they live in at all. Like, yes, we like we have fun winks at that of like new locations. Teehee, what's you know what's violence? The joke. But it's like the idea of I don't even know what the f the lumens really are, you know, mm -hmm. but I've been living in the bounty my entire life with yeah. like, you know, magical safety all around me. And so that is cool. Learning like, oh, is like, that, that's why I get to wear is it sweater weather all year round? I thought I was just lucky, you know, <laughs> that kind of like learning that grandpa has money kind mm -hmm. of thing. We're like, what? He does? Is that why my house is bigger than David's? <laughs> like, you know, that's how I think of the kids, though, is like mm -hmm. that kind of sweet innocence, but with supernatural forces that have kept them in the dark about horrors of the world, mm -hmm. you know? And that would be kind of this guilt trip for me personally. I think for Cece as well. It's like, what's a Leviathan? What? <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, Well, I think, I think this <laughs> at this point. I think at the very least... Uh, CC probably has seen Winchwind's deck. Uh, Winchwind has used their deck uh, in training and in like learning things and just teaching CC about them. Whether or not you have gotten a deck from Winchwind is, I think, up to you. Like if, TBD. If, I think we can. Like that'll be something. Yes, I think. I think yes. Do you get like a? I would assume a training deck. 
Like you, everybody gets their own. Like you know, you get your first. I, I, I think what it might be is that CC gets a couple cards. Like I think oh. giving CC like three cards to start Let's draw out with. Let's draw them now. Like, <laughs> oh, I mean, oh. I can go get the luminaries. Do it. Let's do it. Oh, Let's. Oh snap. Let's see Unplanned. what cards CC oh. has. What is my starter deck? What is my, uh, what's the first card Yugi gets? What's the first card Yugi receives? <laughs> That's gotta be Black Magician, right? Is it? I don't That's know. I don't know Yugi. <laughs> Yugi and Kaiba's first duel. Yeah, it's gotta be Dark Magician and, uh. Dark Magician. That's it. Not Black Magician. Whatever. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I corrected you. I'm reading a Wikipedia page. That's why. <laughs> I have blue. Oh, oh, it's got to be pieces, random chunk of Exodia. No, but that's the lumen. Every everybody, the lumen that I pulled. Ready? It's Exodia. The full Exodia. Thing. <laughs> In blue eyes, white. Dragon. I've got the black lotus. So yeah, I completely imagine that if you have certain cards, it's Winchwin going from like, because I think we were talking about earlier about how you can have different versions of the same card. Yes. And so it's probably three three cards from Winchwin's full deck that Winchwin doesn't need anymore. They've outgrown I'm, it. I'm, this I'm particular... trying to decide how many cards it should be, too, because like a lot of uh, Luminary reads are kind of like compass-based, so you've got mm. like four directions or whatnot. Mm. So probably five, then? Yeah. And I'd also kind of want like CC to to pick one to like have one that that she gets because she wants like ooh let's have that be that that's the fifth one that's the the one that like you Aaron get to choose CC has ooh. one card okay. that that is the one that like she asked for that card okay and that's Winchwin was like you get to choose one card it's your card I'll give you that card okay. Okay. Can we can we draw first and then I'll yeah. tell you what mine is? Yeah, I've I've got I've got a bunch of cards just kind of like laid out here. Um are you feeling cards kind of up at the top, close to the bottom row? I'm gonna go right on the top. Right? I trust the heart of the cards. Okay, go, so going to go to the top here. Yep. Um just first card in sequence? Sure, yes. Okay. First card in sequence. <laughs> is the island oh my gosh <laughs> let's go <laughs> uh, which i really like how this plays into cc's uh like i want the water i want i want that because like the island is the dirtiest nastiest card out there and it represents the hateful sea it represents like misfortune and and being stuck and whatnot it is a cool thing to have in cc's deck so you got to trust in the heart of the cards kids you hear that <laughs> can uh, i can uh, i ask uh aaron yes what 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 is the what does the card look like like what it's the island and the that's the uh, james just said what what it means mm -hmm. so what is like the picture of it on Star Watcher Winchwin's deck? This is yeah, mine? this is well, this is giving this to you. This oh. is Oh. Okay. So it is this storm, like a stormy gray sky and like the a very small, very small like phone booth sized piece of land and like a shadowed figure, like you can't really make them out hugging their knees on the island as this storm like approaches the the tiny piece of land. Cool. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> 
All right, Aaron, where are we going next? We go in top row, we go in middle row, bottom row. All top. All, all top. top. All top all day. Should that... I just pull the next in the sequence? <laughs> yes, please. Gotta the... trust in the heart. Ooh, ooh. This is a card that I have like literally just written a definition for like a couple weeks ago. So now I have to look <laughs> it up. And it is... No, I don't want that one. I want luminaries the skyjack oh. uh, adventure courage what? and travel oh that's so cool yeah what yeah dude <laughs> oh my you gotta believe in the heart of the cards you got you one needs must believe in the heart of the cards <laughs> i think that's a phrase Winchwin tells you all the time yeah <laughs> love no. it love it love that there will be no legal consequences no, for that not whatsoever. at all well, we well, can, actually, well, well, what which wind said one needs must believe in the heart oh, of the there card. it is and we will totally when the when this uh deck is printed one day of cc's cards they will totally say <laughs> one must certainly definitely absolutely believe in the v with two e's heart of yes. the cards <laughs> uh okay uh aaron what does what does the the picture on the card look like this the skyjack is the it is the uh the the picture of someone's back in like a f- uh, like a I don't what is the what's the pirate coat called like it has a name it's you know like that t- style like an oil skin or dust yeah skin. just like a long pirate basically like a sky pirate outfit think of it what you may their back and to the in front of them is just open sky and clouds and they're standing on the the like the edge of the bow of the ship. Like mm-hmm. just right on the right on the edge, like if one inch more and they fall off. Yeah, but like open sky before them. That's cool. All right, third card in the sequence. I'm pulling it. Oh, the boat. <laughs> uh, <laughs> gotta believe. Cool, 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 cool. Uh, one one needs must believe. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, wow, the boat uh, represents uh, opportunity, freedom, and labor. I'm trying to make this one good. I'm trying to make this one good. The boat. It is. Hmm. I know there's a. So I, I want it to be a knot, but like the knot. Is there a knot that like defies a mariner's knot? You know, that's like a big middle finger. So that. here's here's the thing. I personally don't know much about not work Mm -hmm. um and i did kind of unilaterally decide that uh there are knots that are taboo in our world because they are mariners knots uh versus airiners knots uh because i don't know about (laughs) knots uh, I need to like bring on a, a knot expert and like okay. historical knot expert to like talk through like, okay, here are knots. These are basic knots and here are knots that can have variations. Okay. Um, I, I think you use a bowline knot to like save people from the water. Like, like that's good, if, but I actually can't remember. I know that that's one of those knots that like pulls taut. So, so either way, uh, what, can you read me the re- the meaning of it again? Uh, it is freedom opportunity and labor um yeah it's definitely like on the the sides of the card like it's basically a knot that runs across the card and in the middle is a very simple knot that's it cool this is a plain one yeah all right fourth one 
Just going in sequence. Please. It is. Oh, this is an interesting one. The Echo. Okay. Oh. Yeah. The Echo is deja vu, illusions, and repetition. Um, And I'll just read uh, this because it's a little bit headier than some of the others. The echo is a phenomenon that happens all over sphere, though it occurs more frequently in some places than others. People experience memories of moments they are currently living or see shades of past and future events. Some see the echo as a blessing to make peace with one's past, an opportunity to gain advantage by glimpsing what's to come, or a burden of haunting phantoms. Okay. So the image of the echo is a uh um a small singing bird in a cave. Like a that kind of thing. I'm thinking of it as echo of literally like a cave. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, cool. <laughs> All right. So those those are the luminaries that uh, <clears throat> that were drawn. Okay. Um, now I guess we need the, the, the fifth luminary, the core luminary. It and is the one... maelstrom. <gasps> Cece goes hard. She does not. She goes hard or she goes the f- back to Thornvale. <laughs> <laughs> the maelstrom to remind everyone. Uh, chaos, change, and storm. Great. Um, hmm. Hmm, I picked the maelstrom. She picked the maelstrom because of the chaos thing. I know that. Um, yeah. So, um, just hmm. like just like the chaos emeralds from my favorite comic. <laughs> exactly. So on the front is Sonic taking his shoes off. Okay. Um, no. <laughs> no, no, no. It's a no, blue hedgehog no, in shoes. No, He's taking no. off those shoes. Oh, no, no, uh the maelstrom oh it's like uh the an artist's interpretation of like the event horizon of a black hole oh whatever that is you know put it into google images it's cool stuff <laughs> it's that it's that distorted bit of light where like light is across the middle and then it kind of does that that bell curve and there's that that yes that like half circle part of the black hole surrounded by like a swirl yeah. So yeah, it's do, basically do you know like the, a black do you hole. Know the story of that? Do you know the story of that of that image? No. They uh, created that for uh, Interstellar. For the <laughs> it, what happened was is Interstellar was like we don't know what it would look like to do a black hole, so they asked like a, an artist and like a scientist, and they got together and they like this is what it would look like, and it actually answered questions that science that physicists had had. They were it. like, "Oh, that actually makes now seeing it that makes sense." It was it's it's a very interesting story. You should look it up. Let's get that Hollywood money in the space program. I'm saying, um, that's cool. I, I think one of my favorite aspects of that is who the f- on Sphere drew this. What yeah, kind of, I don't yeah. think I don't think this is a robust uh, astronomer <laughs> setting. <laughs> That they just know about black holes, so like it is cool. Yeah, so like somebody, cool. somebody knew. Somebody knows about In a, somebody. Truly, um, am I wrong, or that there are on the back of our Audrin coats are sketches of things? Correct? Are there designs? Uh, yeah, there are. Uh, yours I don't has constellations. Oh, I didn't. I thought there. I don't remember if they were lumens or something. There were. There are constellations of. There are stars on That's the back right. of your coat. That's right. 
Uh, on June's, it's like battle, and yeah. and Kieran on the inside has that that yes. that drowned sailor face. Yes, that's right. I was trying to remember. I was trying to bridge the two, but can't remember. Well, that's cool. So that that starter deck, and it's horrifying. I mean, you've got enough that is, like, definitely cool stuff on your side and, yeah. like, enough that is bad and scary. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. That's what, that's what I want, though, is to the, the, the feeling of unpredictability, chaos, and fear. I so, want it. So, James, what would be the next step for CeCe? CeCe now has these five cards. What would um, be their next step to, like, grow the deck? I, well, I think like that's literally the thing is learning about the world, right? Like you, you have to go out, you have to talk to other people with luminary decks. You have to collect stories about the luminaries. The more stories you know about the luminaries, the more like diverse and specific like a reading you can get out of your deck. Like I am sure there is some like forest queen devotee somewhere that has a luminary deck that is just the forest queen there are just that different depictions of the forest queen and they know the luminary so well that they can interpret just about anything just by understanding these difference in the forest queen so oh, like i think cc's just got to learn about the world and other yeah. people and different perspectives and grow their deck by by appreciating and learning from other people gotta go play illamat i gotta yeah. go play a lot of lot and you gotta play illamat man sick i love this i'm very excited season two just got very a lot more exciting for me to be honest <laughs> i mean i was excited what? but now i'm like fucking vibrating with like must learn magic must learn all i can well and i i certainly hope that it's also gotten very exciting for everyone who's listening i Boom. literally don't know where this discussion is airing um uh but i hope <laughs> i'm pretty sure it's airing before uh <laughs> we we finished the Kickstarter for season two, uh, but I hope this has you pumped kind of about the magic of Sphere, certainly about Cece and where her story's going, and Courier's Call season two. Season two. <clears throat> Welcome to Character Creation Cast, a show where we create and discuss characters, the best part of role-playing games, with guests using their favorite systems. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan Bolter. And I'm your other host, Amelia Antrim. Join us as we sit down with game designers, podcasters, and fans of games as we dive into learning about different RPGs through the lens of character creation. It's a combination of character building, player advice, game design insights, and even a little bit of fan fiction for a different game every month. We tackle a variety of new and old games, both well-known and indie-produced titles. We learn how creating characters can tell us a lot about the games themselves. Check us out today anywhere you can get podcasts or on the OneShot Podcast Network at OneShotPodcast.com. Mariner's name, sing it way, hey ho. My father, he 
told me to never deceive Be a voice to the hopeless and help those in need And to never be thankful for what you've received Sing it way, hey 